Welcome to Real Talk, Real Woman. In today's episode, we are welcoming Veronica Whedon from Switzerland, from Zurich. She is the founder of Revival Health, an integrative health and relationship coaching practice that helps individuals heal holistically after toxic relationships. After years of her own healing journey, she now helps clients break the abuse cycle, reform their beliefs, and transform their relationships and life through a program that addresses health on a mental, emotional, and physical level. Today's topic is two essential decisions to move on from your toxic ex. Welcome, Veronica. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Gemma. Absolutely. So, Veronica, my first question, so that we have a, we keep that off on mm -hmm. a good, uh, on a good note. Can you please walk us through the big events of your life that shaped who you are today? Mm -hmm. In a five-minute version. <laughs> five-minute version of my life. It's, like, it's, it's, it's a serious exercise to do that. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so um, I grew up uh, internationally, I guess, um, with a mixed background. I have some American, some South African. Uh, you know, I grew up in Switzerland. So, so lots of different cultures and, and aspects um, were part of my life from the very beginning. Um, I left home at a young age, I was 13, um, I was sent to, to boarding school, um, and that certainly uh, shifted a lot in my life and, and shaped, uh, shaped my life in, in certain ways, because uh, you learn to be independent quite early on through an experience like that, um, and later just lived for about the last 20 years. I've lived in a lot of places around the world um, and kept moving. I, I think I always had this sort of restless feeling and wasn't quite sure where I belonged and was always looking for something. Um, but big events in my life, there, there, have, been, um, there have been a few. Um, the biggest one um, was, uh, unfortunately, I, I lost my brother who I was very close to. Um, and that fundamentally uh, shifted my life. Um, and uh, uh, the other, th there was a string of them, but the other very, uh, I guess, impactful events in my life were a, a whole string of um, very toxic relationships and one just worse than, than the other. Um, and the final one really being, being the, the kicker to it all um, and what ultimately, uh, was the was the pushing point, I guess, or the tipping point for me to really change my life um, and shift it uh, into a direction that I actually wanted to go in. Um, so I feel like without being aware of it, my whole life, I'd really been following someone else's path and waiting for other people to make decisions for me. Um, and that all came out of childhood where I grew up in a very uh, traditional uh, home where, you know, the parents knew best and children were meant to be seen, not heard. Um, and it, again, subconsciously, I carried that with me through life and was always um, looking for other people to make my decisions for me. Um, and, uh, 
And that all changed quite a few years ago after I was able to finally remove myself from the last toxic relationship, which was very significant in my life. Thank you. I'm sorry you had to go through all of that. And at the same time, shall we really be sorry? Because it shaped you to the wonderful, exceptional being you are today, right? It certainly shaped me. I, I do feel, um, you know, lots of people have the theory you have to go through all the pain to get to the other side. I, there's, there's certainly truth in that. And, you know, if we can, we, we learn from our experiences and we make something out of it. But I'm also a very firm believer in learning from other people's mistakes. This is what <laughs> I'm even more believer of. <laughs> and that, that is, you know, a big driver behind the work that I'm doing today is to try and actually educate people about the topic of toxic relationships and narcissistic abuse, the abuse cycle, to hopefully prevent them from ever having having to go through the pain I mean people who are in it to recognize it and to help them get out of it and to never go through it again mm -hmm. but with the ultimate goal of really educating as many people as possible around the world so that hopefully many many people can prevent it in the first place I truly understand that so now my next question Veronica I guess is what has been the shift in your third experience, in your third, uh, in your second relationship? What has been that moment in time when suddenly it goes from your brain to your heart, to your gut, and now you have the strength to remove yourself from this situation? Mm -hmm. What has, what happened? So for me, um, and you know, everyone has a different experience. Every, and this it. is why it's so important to ask. Um, but for me, the the line that I had um, was always cheating. So for for me, that's just a hard a hard stop <laughs> when I when I find out that someone's cheated. For me, there's no way there's no way back from that. Um, and again, if I if I look back through the whole string of of, of exes, um, it it always occurred, um, but I just was unaware of it, or I wasn't seeing the signs. Even though retrospectively, it was so obvious. And once I understood how the abuse cycle works and all the toxic tactics, then it became very clear. But in the moment, and I know so many people go through this as well because it's one of the reasons they stay. They know they're unhappy. They know they feel exhausted. They know they're, they're not getting their needs met. They know they're getting sick. They know, they, they know a lot of things are wrong, but somehow there's still this layer, this, this veil that's in front of their eyes that just doesn't allow them to see what's really going on. Because part of us doesn't want to believe the truth, right? We want to, to live in this world that we believe is possible, right? It, it's the believing it's possible. And the, the sneaky thing with toxic relationships is the way the narcissist works is that love bombing stage, right? At the beginning of the cycle. And when that first happens, they do, they create, they get to know us so well, they make us feel seen and heard and all these beautiful things. And they create the persona that's perfect for us, right? And that's gonna be a different person for each, 
each uh, you know uh, each person they go after, but but they they create our perfect person, and that is intoxicating, right? And and it makes you believe that you genuinely found the one, you found your person, and even though the rest of the relationship, however long that may be, whether it's months or years or decades, um, is is just a struggle. You keep trying to get back to the beginning because you firmly believe, and I firmly believe that that person that I met at the beginning was the real him in this case. So for me, it was a man. It was the, it was the real him. Only as I later found out and as I, as I started educating myself about the topic, that person never existed. Um, and, that, and that's a, a, a reality-shattering um, understanding, if you will, which is extremely difficult to, to see, let alone accept. Um, and so I didn't see all that, but the line I, I knew I was, I mean, I was getting, I was very sick. My health was suffering significantly in so many ways. Um, and I had so much brain fog. I couldn't focus. I, I mean, I just, so many things had happened. I spent six years with the last one. Um, so that was a long time and it had progressively gotten worse. Um, but for me, when I, when I finally with, got proof essentially that he was cheating, it's like a switch in my brain just flipped because that was my line. And everyone has a different line, right? What's the line for you? But whenever that's crossed, it's it's your point. It's your tipping point. It's the point of no return. And for me, it was cheating. Mm -hmm. And once I knew that, like I said, it was like a switch just flipped in my brain, and all the love I had just stopped <laughs> instantly. I, I totally understand. It is real. Yeah. yeah. In in one second, in one second of a shift of a button, you can yeah. start to love or you can stop to love. Absolutely. When there is a reason for that, of course, you don't do that like out of the blue. When there is a Absolutely. reason, it's true we have that shift in our yeah. brain. Yeah. It's like on or off for right. real. Right. And so for me, it was clear from that moment on that I was leaving. Now, the logistics of that took some time because, you know, you live together and there are logistics involved in that. But for me, it was clear that I was getting out. Um, but it was only sort of during that period. And then, of course, much for a much longer period of time afterwards that I started um, even hearing about narcissistic abuse and toxic relationships. I mean, I had no idea what it was, or if someone said narcissist to me before, to me, that just meant a person with a big ego. It didn't mean anything more or less than that. And I had, I had absolutely no idea about the subject matter. And once I started learning, I had a thousand aha moments where I look back and go, oh my goodness, but this happened and he did this and that, and that's why that didn't make sense. And that's why I had a weird gut feeling when this and that and the next thing happened. And I had, a, it was enlightening. Mm. That's essential information you share with us today, Veronica. I mean, thank you. Thank you for opening up. Thank you for having this real conversation that helps so many hidden with their little um, headset, listening mm -hmm. to a conversation and just thinking to themselves, oh, <laughs> maybe it's me. 
Mm. Oops. Yeah, it, it's what not should easy. I do now? <laughs> so now I hear that question. Okay, so yeah, I recognize myself and my current partner. Mm-hmm. What should I do? And you're going to answer to that question with the two essential decisions to move on from your toxic ex, which is mm-hmm. the topic of the day. What should I do? Yes, I am. Um, so again, assuming you know that you are in a toxic relationship, right? Then, then you're already ahead of where I was back in the, back in the day. And that's a good thing. Um, and if you, uh, there, there are two essential decisions that, that you need to make um, before any healing can begin. And the first decision um, is, is to get out. So you, you need to remove yourself from the situation because I firmly believe that you cannot heal in the same environment that made you sick, right? And so let's just put, let's just take an extreme example of that, right? If you are being beaten every day, you, it doesn't matter what you do, if you're going to get beaten up the next day, you can't, you can't heal. It's, it's fundamentally impossible. Mm-hmm. And so whether that's physical or emotional, or you, you cannot heal in the same environment that made you sick, mm-hmm. it's just a losing battle. So that's the first decision you have to, you have to get out. You have to choose you and get out. May I ask a, a subsequent mm-hmm. question about this first decision? Mm-hmm. I know some people are owner of their place. Mm-hmm. The partner sometimes is as well, sometimes is not. Let's assume the partner is not. So if that person finds a way creatively, maybe through police intervention, I don't know, Mm -hmm. to get the other person out, to have a restraining order, to protect the environment. You just are saying, yeah, you cannot heal in the same environment. Do you mean physical environment or do you mean relationship environment? Um, So relationship environment, but physical presence with that person. Okay. So So when you talk about environment, you really talk about the relationships, the, the, the presence of the abuser of the toxic correct. future so ex or current. In a, in a perfect world, it means no contact. Definitely. So it means you're out. And, and again, everyone's situation is going to be different. If you're married, if you have children, you know, you've got a that divorce in between. Very difficult, but right? it's possible. It's possible. And even going, you know, going through a divorce, you can, you can, you know, move in with family, move in with friends, move, just like remove yourself from the situation. If, if financially, you know, it's a problem to get your own place as it is, which it is for many, Mm -hmm. but just find a way to, to remove yourself from the situation. Um, So decide to leave the situation more than the place itself, actually. If you can leave the place because it's not yours, good for you, find another place. Right. I mean, if it's your house, then the other person has to get out and problem solved for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, you, mm-hmm. don't, you don't have to change your house necessarily. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's, it's to cut the contact and therefore obviously the presence with the toxic person. Very important. Um, and I say no, no contact, um, which some people think, oh, well, you know, I'll still follow them on Facebook or else. No, you don't. <laughs> 
it, it doesn't work because they will always try to get you back in through the cycle. Mm -hmm. And if, especially, I mean, if you've been with someone for a month, then it's a lot easier to walk away. If you've spent decades with someone, if you've had a family with someone, it's, it, it's not an easy thing to, to walk away, right? It's, it's a, that's why it's such a critical decision because it's not an easy decision, right? It, it takes so much courage and strength, I mean, bravery, you name it, to, to leave. Um, because when you've been in the abuse cycle for so long, the trauma bond is so real. And at that stage, you're probably so depleted of your energy. And again, I mean, the physical symptoms that can manifest, the brain fog that comes, the confusion, the frustration, the anger, the, the walking on eggshells and never knowing what you're going to get. This, If you have children, there are often feelings of guilt that come with it. Um, and... I, you know, your toxic ex will, will shame you, will guilt trip you. They'll do anything they can to keep you tied to them because they need that narcissistic supply. So, you know, it sounds like an easy decision, but it, it actually takes a lot of, of courage and strength to make the decision and then implement the decision. Mm -hmm. But they are critical to healing. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's an essential, not easy decision. Exactly, exactly. And what is the other essential, not easy decision? Mm -hmm. What is it? The other essential decision is to choose you and decide that you're going to do something differently from now on, to approach relationships differently from now on. And that means looking inwards for answers instead of looking outwards for answers. So again, you know, I've, I've, every person who's, who's ended up in a toxic relationship goes through this and has this. So you are not alone. And this is not, this is not about shaming or guilt tripping or anything because we've all been there and every person in a toxic relationship experiences this, right? We look for answers outside of ourselves. We're looking for someone else to make decisions for us. We're looking for someone else to validate us emotionally. We're looking for someone else to fill certain needs, whether they be physical, emotional, financial, you name it, the list goes on. It, do it doesn't matter. Often it's all of them, but we're looking for someone else to fix something or fill something to, to, to meet a need that we have, right? It's true. This is a, a, a spontaneous um, answer that we have when we are dealing with this kind of toxic relationships, for sure. Right. Deciding to do the work, I remember when I met my third, last, and dream husband, Sasha, before he was even my husband, it was, he was just a friend. He was a mentor and a friend for me before moving mm -hmm. on in a love relationship. I remember having understood that he went through the toxic, abusive, narcissistic, borderline, hypochondriac, and probably much more uh, disorders of his own mother mm -hmm. and because of the deadlock and the, and the and the grip she had on him holding both lives in her decision 
mm-hmm. because she had the, the health insurance of him as an unborn child, but he was born highly disabled. So the insurance could not kick him out, but no new insurance would take him on in Switzerland as mm-hmm. of 1978, because everything changed over time. But that was, that was the deal. So one of her big threats was, if you leave me, your mother, mm-hmm. I cancel your health insurance. Mm-hmm. And then she adds, as if it's not enough, and I kill myself. So mm-hmm. basically he was deadlocked with mm-hmm. her shame and guilt and fear and yeah everything he he, he was deadlocked like Mm -hmm. if he leaves basically he risks both lives Mm -hmm. i know so my ex uh, the last one also threatened suicide and you know multiple times and you know claimed to have cancer and this and as as a sort of normal healthy human being you think who who makes stuff like that up, right? Who lies about having cancer? Who lies about, I mean, it's, it's, it's very twisted. It is, it is. But, but it's very common. So actually it might, it might be a lie to hold you in, but what is not a lie is a mental illness. That is not a lie. To be able to, to get you in that kind of relationship, keep you in there, keep you victim, keep abusing you over and over again. There is that mental illness in some way or another, this disorder. I I wouldn't call, I mean, yeah, you can talk about personality disorders. I mean, some might have mental illness, but many don't. It's just, the the thing is with narcissists is they're Mm -hmm. empathy free, Mm -hmm. right? They have no empathy, which means inherently they cannot connect to another human being in any real way because they're empty inside. And that's why they mimic these, they, they, they create these personas, right? Okay. And they create the persona that's perfect for you. And also often there's, a, there's a, an element of almost identity theft because yes. they're, they're drawn to people that have qualities that they want, that they know they can never have. And sure. so, when they portray themselves as this, you know, the hero or the victim or, or whatever it is, Savior. right. They're often taking qualities that you have and portraying them as their own. It's, it's a very twisted game. And that's why the education part of my program is, is really about informing people. This is how they operate, right? This mm-hmm. is how the cycle works. These are the tactics they use. This is how twisted it can get. Mm-hmm. Because even if you are out and you know, like you were unhappy and lots of things were wrong, you don't mm-hmm. always understand what was really happening. Mm-hmm. And, and it is, it is a key part of the healing process to understand what was really happening. And again, that means potentially your entire reality, everything that you believe to be true will be shattered. And that's, that can be devastating, right? Because you are in love with, with someone who never existed potentially for decades, right? Mm. Yes. Becoming aware of that, accepting that as having been a fact, forgiving oneself, oh my God, to having been in these deadlock relationships Mm -hmm. it's like yeah it's it's a hectic experience and and again as normal and in air quotes right and healthy humans beings we think but but it can't be right nobody can be that cruel or nobody can be that twisted or yeah there is (laughs) 
unfortunately they really can and they do know exactly what they're doing mm-hmm. they know exactly what they're doing except that they mm-hmm. cannot feel you they right. see you they see how it works and they play but it's all just to manipulate you it's not yes. because they care about you it's not because they love you because they can't right mm-hmm. um but going back to the second decision again you know it's yes. about It's about looking within for answers and not without. Um, and that, the good news is, if you've made the first decision to get out, that takes right courage and strength and a lot of other phenomenal qualities. Mm-hmm. And you need those same qualities in order to be able to look inside and not yes. outside of yourself. So the yes. good news is, if you have made decision one, then you already know that you're capable of making decision two. You just have to decide to make it. Wow. Do you have any recommendation that someone could start her or his healing journey, especially when they start over moneyless, penniless, homeless, jobless, and husbandless? Or wifeless. It's like, I have to start over all over again. What, what would you recommend such a person to mm-hmm. start? How to start within to accept to heal when there is like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's a weird place to be. It, it is a real place to be. And so, I mean, I would say, don't be afraid to ask for help, right? I mean, especially, again, if, if that is your situation, you probably are going to be living with family or friends for a while. And, um, and, and don't be afraid to ask for help when you, when you need it, because we all need help at some point. Um, the second thing I would, I would highly recommend is to look at your values. Um, because most people think they know what their values are and that they're clear on them. Um, but the reality is, if you really look at your life, and I mean, truly look at your life, um, you'll probably see that the reality doesn't reflect the values that you think you have. Because when we are living a life that is aligned with our core values, we're usually happy and things are good. And so when we're not and everything's out of alignment, that's a very good indication that we're not living uh, aligned to what is really important to us. And so for me, it was an absolutely critical step to just take a step back and really say, okay, what are my core values? And to have those in front of me all the time and say, today, You know, every action I'm taking, what I'm doing, the, the, the people I'm connecting with, uh, the, you know, the things I'm doing, do those align with what I value? And mm-hmm. if they don't, change it. <laughs> Not mm-hmm. my values, but change the situation, change the action, mm-hmm. change the relationship. And often when you go through a transition like this, because it is a transition in life, it's a huge turning point. Um, if you are ready for the healing journey and to do things differently, then what often happens is the, the people that you've been surrounded by up until now 
will change and your shift you will see a big shift in your life slowly and over time as you do become clear on your values all of a sudden and, and you behave accordingly and you act accordingly all of a sudden you'll start to see a shift that you'll begin attracting people with those same values and people who were in your life before that don't share those values you will you will start to move away from because you'll see that they aren't necessarily the best thing for you mm -hmm. thank you for sharing i'm going to add a little um a way to discover your values how to mm -hmm. do that and it's to remember a few uh, experiences you had experiences when you blew up when you exploded when you screamed when you really said no that's not okay in one way or another no matter what it is but what matters is some things that totally hurt you and you go back with that experience one after another and for that experience, you start to ask yourself, okay, so what happened? Da, 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 da. Okay, very good. Why did you blow up? Because I don't know what. Okay. Why? Because I don't know what. Okay. Why? And you've narrowed down the why until you find, well, because the value of respect has been broken. Oh, so this is why. So respect is one of your core values. Mm -hmm. Okay, so write it down in big letters, respect. Okay, now let's go to another experience. Mm -hmm. Actually on that, if I may, with respect, because that was one of my core values. And I always thought that I respected myself and that, that my ex was respecting me. But that, again, when I really you know pulled it apart it's 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 lots of little things right mm -hmm. so when we're in these toxic relationships we're always making excuses for the other person because underlying we have shame and guilt and and all these emotions again which you're not alone every single one of us in these toxic relationships has those emotions underlying so for all of you out there listening you are not alone mm -hmm. um we've we've all been through it and and it's in the little things. So I'll give you an example. I'm, I'm a planner, right? I'm, I'm organized and I, I like to plan things. Um, and of course, my ex knew this about me. And so when it came to planning a weekend trip, for example, I said, do you want me to take care of it, right? And he would say, no, no, I'm going to plan it. So I thought, okay, he wants to do it. I, I'll let him do it. And of course, nothing happened. So at some point I said, look, I'm like have you done it no he hasn't done it okay well do you do you want me to do it i'm happy to take care of it no no no. he wants to do it okay so i respect that and he wants to do something nice and he would leave it until the very last minute knowing that it stressed me out because nothing was done we didn't know where we were going we didn't know this we didn't know that we know and and that was a stressful situation for me um and he knew that but he waited on purpose Right. It wasn't that. And I kept making the excuses. Well, he's busy at work and oh, well, he's tired from this. And, you know, it's not his natural instinct to be. I kept making excuses for him. But all it was was just an, a massive sign of disrespect. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And now, again, people think, oh, well, 
you know, people listening to this might think, oh, well, she's making a big deal out of nothing. And that's what I told myself many times as well. But the problem is that occurs, things like that occur all the time, almost on a daily basis, sometimes multiple times a day. So add that up. And again, he knows what I'm like and what I need and what I don't need. And so all these things are just, they are incredible, incredibly disrespectful. And I oh, just wasn't sorry. seeing it that way because I kept making excuses for it. Mm -hmm. And if you did the little thing that was not respectful, you did blame yourself so hard. Oh, yeah. Oh, then. so hard. Was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. wow. Mm -hmm. That is an amazing point that you're bringing across. Thank you for that. Thank you on behalf of our listeners. My because it's, it's really, it is a life-changing um, awareness to understand how that toxic cycle works, to understand what's going on. It is, it, it, it changed my life. I mean, I changed my life, but that was sort of the first piece of the puzzle, if you will, that allowed many other pieces of the puzzle to fall into place. It, it allowed for a huge understanding of what was really going on in the relationship and what was happening. And all the while I thought I was completely alone. And the longer I was in the relationship, you know, the more I made excuses for it and the more underlying shame I felt because I didn't, I didn't leave because I didn't want to take responsibility for my own life. I can admit that now. I certainly couldn't mm -hmm. at the time. Mm -hmm. um, but at the end of the day, that's what it boils down to. It boils down to, and that's about, that's what the looking inward instead of outward is about. It's about taking responsibility for your life. And that's a scary word when people say, oh, well, yeah, is, I like responsibility. And so it I would is. invite people to look at it in a different way. Mm -hmm. and, and what responsibility actually means, it's an ability to respond. And when you look at it that way, yeah. I think it becomes quite empowering because who doesn't want to know how to respond to situations in a right. great way? So that's what I would, would offer people who who do have this fear about you know, being alone and not wanting to make decisions mm -hmm. consciously or subconsciously mm -hmm. to say, actually, it's a very empowering thing to take responsibility because with responsibility comes great power. <laughs> this is why we are strong and powerful women, victorious over our own toxic and abusive relationship, sharing principles like responsibility to overcome and to heal and to strive and to transform mm -hmm. everything. That's the goal. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Veronica, for this amazing conversation. Thank you for opening up, sharing your truths and My for pleasure. helping. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. And for helping so many people revive health. Let's go there. And for all our listeners, check out the description. There is all the information about Veronica, how to reach out, how to, to connect, how to find her and everything. All right? Perfect. Thank you so much, Gemma. Absolutely. Thank you to you. Have an amazing day. You Bye -bye. too. Bye.